Hello, and welcome to the C Store Decisions Live podcast. I'm Erin Del Conte, executive editor of C Store Decisions Magazine. Thank you for joining us. Please sit back and enjoy as we talk all things convenience retailing. Today, I'm here with Jeremy Myron, Chief Information Officer for Road Ranger and the Chairman of the Young Executives Organization to talk about blockchain. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Erin. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, So for our listeners, our annual National Advisory Group, or NAG Conference, is going to be taking place virtually this year. It's it's already taking place every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, through September 16th. So Jeremy, uh, you're going to be one of our presenters on September 9th at 2 p.m. You're going to be speaking in a session titled, What is Blockchain and How Will It Affect You? So listeners who are interested in learning more about blockchain or any of the other topics that we're going to be covering can go to nagconvenience.com. That's nagconvenience.com to sign up. Um, And so, Jeremy, today I was hoping that you could kind of give our listeners a bit of an introductory preview into blockchain and and what you're going to be covering in that session. But first, I'd love to know more about you. So to kick us off, can you tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, how did you come to your position as Chief Information Officer at Road Ranger? My path into convenience retail tech leadership actually began when I was a teenager. I started a business in my parents' garage back in the 1990s. I created an early e-commerce website computer brand while I was in high school that was very successful. And by my senior year, I had customers throughout the U.S. and Canada. In the year 2000, Aaron's Oil, who was a longtime convenience store chain, purchased my tech business and asked me to join their team in the dual role as general manager of their newly acquired business and as their director of IT. We did some fun things back then. We brought the convenience retail industry its first true internet-based wide area network in the year 2000, and we wrote the software from scratch that powered one of the industry's earliest SQL database-backed loyalty programs. As Aaron's Oil chose to exit retail in 2002, Road Ranger, who had been one of our technology customers, asked me to join their team to help them modernize their tech infrastructure and lay the IT foundation for their next leg of growth. We did that, and it ultimately enabled the founding family to exit the industry in 2018 with our sale to Inex, who is a large international convenience store operator. While it's been an awesome 18 years with Road Ranger and 20 years in the industry, it's particularly exciting to be growing again under our new ownership. And so I keep happily leading tech operations and strategy as Road Ranger CIO. I, of course, also work to help the industry where I can in my roles, such as chairmanship of the Young Executives Organization Board. Great. And for any of our young executives under 40 who are listening, uh, you can also go to nagconvenience.com. Uh, and sign up to join that Young Executives organization uh, that Jeremy is our chairman of. Um, But today we're talking about blockchain, which has become a a really hot topic. Uh, You know, it became well known in the world of payment applications around Bitcoin, but it is so much more. So Jeremy, you know, for our listeners who've never heard of blockchain, can you give some examples and, and can you explain in really basic terms what is blockchain and how did it come about? 
Blockchain was invented in 2008 in response to the financial crisis. The story and lore surrounding its invention is fascinating, and I highly recommend you learn more about that if the opportunity comes up. But that's really a topic for another day. I learn best with analogies, so I'll use a bank analogy to explain how blockchain works in essence. Take a moment to imagine a bank vault. With that image in mind, imagine rows and rows of unlabeled safe deposit boxes. Each box has a glass front that allows everybody in the bank to see the contents of the box. The empty and never used boxes are all unlocked by default. When an individual opens a previously unused box, they get the key made exclusively for that box. Now, nobody else, not even the bank, can open that box unless the key holder shares their key. Now, even though it has been claimed and the key is secured, the box remains transparent and visible and can't be removed from the bank. In summary, a blockchain is like a set of glass boxes with contents everybody can see, verify, and cannot change. Everybody knows where the boxes are and what they contain. The key is that transparency and security are at the heart of this system. It's important to note that blockchain isn't a device, it's not a machine, and it's not a cryptocurrency. It's a system, a method to keep track of information that prioritizes trust, transparency, and an inability to be manipulated. With that said, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and every other cryptocurrency out there work on a blockchain platform. The applications for blockchain go so far beyond currency, though. Many companies and industries will rely on blockchain, I think, to create safe houses for sensitive data and information, especially when there's no room for manipulation. Blockchain right now is, without a doubt, a key component of the fabric of data management, I think, as we enter the next decade. Great. And just uh, another question here from me, you know, you, uh, you talked about it kind of being like a, a bank vault and you can see everything that's in those glass boxes, but how, this is something that exists on, through the, through the internet or where does, where does blockchain kind of live? So it, it definitely uses networks, you know, computer networks to um, exist, but it can, depending on the blockchain that you're working with. So we know like of Bitcoin and things like that, where it's got its blockchain. So it's platform that records its transactions and is transparent and manipulatable. But you can, a proprietary implementation of a blockchain, like let's say for something like supply chain optimization or invoicing and things like that can be built and stored on one of the public clouds like the Amazon AWS cloud or the Microsoft cloud or that sort of thing. But in effect, yes, it uses computer networks, most commonly the internet and cloud service providers, you know, dependent on the application. Mm -hmm. Cool. And so what are some relevant applications of blockchain for the convenience store world specifically? Of course, payments. I think that's the first thing that comes to mind for everybody, but also inventory management, food safety, contracts, invoicing, billing, loyalty programs, customer data management, returns, warranties, really any application in our businesses where it's important to keep an unalterable record of transactions in order to ensure trust, transparency, and accountability. Okay, so how does it work? You know, one application that I, I know I've heard a lot about is supply chain management. Can you give an example of how blockchain would work in, in the example of supply chain management? Supply chain management is probably the most popular use of blockchain in retail at present. A very popular supply chain application is in food safety, but that isn't the only one. It is also being used to help verify the origin of products where counterfeiting is a risk. So think of things like luxury products like, um, you know, shoes or purses or, um, you know, that sort of thing, or manufactured parts where safety is critical, like airplane parts and things like that. Just last week, 
Coke One North America, one of the partners of Coke's largest U.S. bottler, detailed how they're using blockchain to increase efficiency in their supply chain, named Coca-Cola Bottling Harbor their blockchain. So earlier you asked where do these blockchains live and are they on the internet? Um, you know, with an application like this, Coke created their own blockchain, uh, their own application of blockchain on their own blockchain, and they called it Coca-Cola Bottling Harbor. This blockchain allows easy onboarding of new suppliers without compromising product integrity. Um, they're doing things like moving invoices, purchase orders, sales orders, delivery receipts to this blockchain. Um, some additional benefits to Coke are the elimination of coordination problems by ensuring that all parties agree to the latest authoritative versions of business documents, as well as the concept of desired truth, which helps handle errors, partial deliveries, things like that, things that we're all very accustomed to in the convenience store world, you know, with Coca-Cola and our other CPG suppliers. They've gone so far as to say that they expect this project will show recognizable business results in the last quarter of this year. Okay. And, and one of the, the other examples uh, that we had was, you know, food safety. So how might blockchain work in a food safety application? Walmart pioneered the use of blockchain in the food supply chain to cut down on waste, improve tracking, and provide transparency in the contamination. You've probably noticed I've used the word transparency like five times so far. I think that's one of the core underpinnings in, in all these different applications is just that, that visibility and trust and transparency. So Walmart has been aggressive in filing patents for several of these applications. Uh, they're really pushing this innovation forward. Starbucks is testing blockchain with a pilot program in Colombia, Costa Rica, and Rwanda that's allowing them to track their coffee from the field to the cup. In France, the large supermarket chain there, Carrefour, has implemented a food blockchain that allows customers to scan a QR code on individual products, and that will show them that product's entire journey to the shelf. So from the farmer's field to the truck, to the warehouse, you know, to the next warehouse, the next truck, to the mm -hmm. grocery store, and ultimately to that shelf. Um, and then, you know, the food-related blockchain applications are not a pipe dream at this point. I mean, a few years ago, our industry was talking about this and, um, you know, the press at large, and I think it was kind of a pipe dream at that time. There was, you know, we had talked about this concept. It was talked about at industry conferences and that sort of thing. It's not a concept anymore. This is real. This is in place. Um, it's not just pilot programs. Companies are moving their workflows uh, especially when it comes to food safety, to the blockchain. And it's estimated right now that this is going to be a $20 billion market by 2026, just the food safety part of blockchain. Wow. Cool. So you, you listed some some really big chains, you know, Walmart and Starbucks, for example, that are already kind of making use of blockchain um, and that this is not a pipe dream. It's it's here. But what about for the small to mid-sized convenience store chain? Is blockchain something that, that small to mid-sized convenience store chains can kind of tap into today? Or is it it's something that's a little bit more on the way for uh, to the mainstream? It's a little bit of both. Um, it's certainly available now. So IBM has a, a tangible product for sale that we can buy. Uh, they call it Food Trust, and it uses blockchain technology to give us food supply chain data from farm to store and ultimately the consumer. I think today the big application for the convenience space in particular is uh, with something like that is the, you know, it's more of a, a marketing differentiator to be able to tell the consumer that when you shop at your particular chain or my particular chain that um, we can give you that visibility into where your products came from, especially fresh foods. On the loyalty side, there are now multiple loyalty offerings in the market that use blockchain in different ways. One of them is uh, 
where we can increase manufacturer participation and subsidies by ensuring the loyalty and transactional data being collected is accurate and unaltered. So remember that blockchain gives us transparency and trust. So now your CPG partners and your manufacturer partners are willing to help you with some of your promotional programs and you know rebates and that sort of thing because they know that your loyalty blockchain is real data that they can take action based on um, and hasn't been messed with or manipulated in any way. And then on the supply chain side, uh, Nike, Kohl's, Macy's, those are all big names, but um, there's others. There's others on that list uh, further down that are smaller. They've joined a project led by Auburn University called the Chain Integration Project, and they are supplying item level data streams from their various supply chain nodes. And so we're talking about things like your ERP system, your back office, your POS system that lets them track merchandise throughout its life cycle. They do that with a blockchain ledger and RFID tags. You know, and of course, we as convenience retailers, we're always talking with our suppliers. We work with nearly all the major CPG companies in the country. Many of them now have active applications of blockchain. I mentioned Coca-Cola a little bit ago. They're either available as a product offering to us or they're using them on their back ends. My advice would be start asking your supplier partners about their applications of blockchain and how you might get value out of leveraging them. So why is blockchain important to convenience stores? I think right now it's, um, you know, beyond currency, it's proliferating. Uh, Retail was one of the first industries to adopt it, retail at large. It's estimated that in the supply chain application alone, a lack of visibility costs us as retailers worldwide, 300 billion US dollars per year. There are real bottom line and top line efficiencies and opportunities in the various applications of this emerging technology. As our space continues to be hyper competitive and disruptors and changes in fueling and consumption technology that are now just being accelerated by the pandemic, they threaten our future relevance and profitability. I think it's more important than ever that we as an industry pay close attention to the technologies that are transforming retail and ensure that we're not a late entrant. So I know that was a lot of words and um, kind of a high-level answer, but you know, the bottom line point is um, retail at large is definitely doing this. Some folks in our space have been early adopters and have embraced it. Um, you know, change is happening faster than ever. Um, this is—it's a matter of uh, you know when and not if and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I think I think we definitely at a minimum need to be educated about it, understand it, understand how it's being used in our space and ideally start to find applications for it and and kind of start using it and integrating it into our business processes. Great. Well, so much great information on blockchain. Uh, But as I understand it, your session at NAG is going to go far beyond what we're discussing today. What are some areas of blockchain that you plan to delve into in your session at 2 p.m. on September 9th? Blockchain technology was a gift to society from an inventor who to date remains unknown. I'll spend most of my time working to leave you with short-term actionables and longer-term thoughts for you to factor into your company strategies, but I'll also spend a little time exploring some of the societal and social changes that blockchain may bring in the decades to come. That kind of change was its inventor's true objective, to bring transparency and create a level playing field for all of humanity. I do believe it is inevitable that some of those applications are going to be transformative to society. Their time just hasn't come yet. So we'll touch on that a little bit. Great. So our listeners are not going to want to miss that. And I know one thing you plan to delve into as well is exactly what retailers really need to know. Can you give us a preview of one of the things that retailers should really know about blockchain? Merchandising our stores and keeping them stocked is hard. Blockchain-backed applications surrounding store inventory management are real and should be a topic of conversation between you and your tech partners, but also your wholesalers. 
If your account representative isn't knowledgeable about this topic, ask them to take that back to their peers and ask for some time with the people in their organization who are. I guarantee you that your larger suppliers absolutely have folks in their organization that are working on this right now. Great. And so for any listeners who want to learn more about the ins and outs of blockchain, be sure that you tune in to Jeremy's NAG session virtually on September 9th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can sign up for that NAG session or any of our Wednesday NAG sessions at nagconvenience.com. Again, nagconvenience.com. And uh, just so you know, if, if you think that you might be busy at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on September 9th, you can still go to that website and register now. It's completely free to register for retailers. Um, and then you'll be able to get the link uh, to watch that on demand uh, as long as you are registered uh, today for that session. So Jeremy, thank you so much for speaking with us today. And I, I hope you have a great day. Thanks, Aaron. I'm really looking forward to presenting on September 9th. And I hope you all can tune in. I hope you have a great day too. Thanks. been listening to the C-Store Decisions Live podcast. For more podcasts, visit cstoredecisions.com or follow me on Twitter at cstoreD underscore Aaron. That's cstoreD underscore E-R-I-N.